Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin's Nest, Season 2, Episode 19. This uh, is actually going to be the last episode of the season. I'm going to take a break from Robin's Nest for a while. I may or may not pick it up um, down the road, but for now, I'm just going to take a break. Um, and I just really want to thank everybody for your support. Um, it's been wonderful. It's been a ton of fun. I've loved every second of it. Um, it's just time to kind of take a break for now. But I really, um, I did not want to end Robin's Nest season two without talking about this really important topic that's really near and dear to my heart, which is sobriety. I think um, this is a really huge hot button for a lot of people. And there's so much to talk about regarding society's drinking habits. And I thought it would be really interesting to have a podcast with three people who have chosen a life of sobriety for different reasons. Um, you don't hear about sobriety a lot. You, you hear about drinking a ton, but you don't really hear about the sober life much. So I thought that that would be an interesting topic to um, finish out our season. So I have actually two guests today. So that's also pretty different. I've never had two guests. I usually only have one, but I wanted two different perspectives. So first I would like to introduce to you, Barbara Herstig. Um, Barb lives in St. Louis, Missouri with her husband and her three-year-old daughter and is currently pregnant with her second child due in December. Congratulations, Barb. She's originally from Minnetonka, Minnesota and is a licensed professional clinical counselor. She went through residential treatment for alcoholism in 2004 and has been living a sober life since. She's an active member of a 12-step group and is extremely grateful for this life that she's currently living this sober life. We also have Hannah Kohler-Batone. Hannah is a rising sophomore architecture major at Temple University, originally from Red Bank, New Jersey. Hannah's relationship to me is through my daughter, Zoe. She is currently dating her and is her girlfriend for how long? Eight months? Eight months, yeah. Eight months. Unlike many of Hannah's peers, she never had an interest in drugs and alcohol or the party culture. She's now navigating through college, consciously and confidently choosing a sober life. And as life begins to open up since the pandemic, which made her life easy as there were very few parties at the time, Hannah is anticipating feeling more pressure to drink and use drug once she is back at college this fall. And then we have me. I don't have much of a story, to be honest with you. My story is really that um, I never really experimented much with alcohol as a teenager. Then I, you know, in high school and all that. And then when I got to college, I, you know, everybody was drinking. I wasn't, uh, luckily I was not, I was a commuter student, so I didn't have the pressure of being in a dorm and all of that. But I was a commuter student, but I still, you know, my college friends were drinking and I certainly felt the pressure to drink. So I tried drinking and I absolutely had no idea what, what the excitement was all about. Like I just never felt good ever. Like if I drank anything, I would either fall asleep, throw up or, or my teeth would get numb. I'm not kidding. Like literally those were my three reactions to alcohol. I never felt that feeling that, that a lot of people get relaxing or a high or, or whatever. Um, in addition to all of that, you know, I worked in rehab for a big chunk of the beginning of my career and I saw how alcohol destroyed families. Um, and so my experience on a personal level was just, I didn't enjoy it in any way. I didn't enjoy being around super drunk people. And then I would see how alcohol was just destroying everybody's lives. And so I just chose to live a sober life um, from that point on. And it, but it's been a pretty interesting journey because the world is not sober. So, um, so I thought we could talk a little bit about that. So I, I really wanted to start with you, Barb. And I want to thank you both so much for being on the podcast today. So thank you for agreeing to talk to me. Of course. So Barb, I thought we would start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey into recovery? Um, I can. I'm, I'm laughing kind of a little because I think, Hannah, what, I mean, what year were you born? 2000? 2002. Right. I got sober in 2004, right? So I, I know everyone loves when we do that like age game, but I mean, that was, you know, um, 
so I've been sober like your whole life, you know, which is crazy. But um, my my experience is actually a little similar um, to Robin's in that I wasn't really, I, I didn't drink really much at all in high school. I, was, um, I, I wasn't really into partying until maybe my junior, senior year um, when I started smoking. I actually, I smoked pot for um, a lot for most of my kind of senior year of high school and then into college. And, um, and I, I didn't drink heavily, but when I, or I didn't drink regularly, but when I did drink, I drank heavily. Um, and that was most of my, my kind of college years was just a lot of pot smoking, which I now know was just the numbing out that I, so I didn't need to drink as much as I probably would have if I wasn't using, you know, other things to numb. Um, and and I went to school and I thought I can't drink the way I want to drink and still go to class and function and show up. I mean, I wanted, I didn't just drink to relax. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have said I was doing that, but that wasn't really the goal. What was the goal? Um, I would say the goal was just to drink. I mean, there's a lot of things they say about people who are truly alcoholic, but one of them is that once you start, you really don't stop. You, you can't stop. You don't want to stop. You just kind of, you keep drinking. Um, so that was me pretty early where I just would drink into, I don't, I don't think the goal was let's get blacked out tonight, but it was just a let's drink till we no longer know what's going on. Um, and that's fun, right? That was the fun. Um, and so I knew I couldn't do it as often and still function, right? Functioning was very important to me. So I wanted to still go to call, you know, go to class and- Can, and I, can I stop you for one second? Because I know Hannah's thinking the same thing as me because we've talked about this before. But like when you say it's fun to drink to the point of not really knowing what's going on, what is fun about that? Oh, when I was young, I mean, when I was in college, mm-hmm. the fun, because it's not fun. I mean, after a while, it's not fun, right? <laughs> but the fun was um, loss of inhibition and just, you kind of turn into a different person. So if you're more of a shy person, I think they call it liquid courage. You, you feel just different. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, that makes sense. I got that. Yeah. I think I was always just kind of searching for, you know, I had, um, I had friends. I, I, you know, I just, I was kind of searching for something always. I never felt just like comfortable in my skin. So drinking helped me feel for some reason comfortable in my skin early on drinking um and then as you continue you're you're always chasing the original drinking because at first you don't need much to drink you don't need to drink much to feel that hot you know that high you talk like the euphoria Mm -hmm. right I mean there's a whole show about it right so you're chasing (laughs) it kind of the rest of the time because if you continue on, you eventually build up this tolerance, which is what I did. And I needed to drink more and more. So my body would get sicker and sicker when I would drink. Um, and I was always chasing the original, like, whew, relaxation, feeling good. Um, and so I drank more heavily in college, more regularly as I got older. Um, there was kind of this theme of once I've kind of finish what I need to do like at my senior year of high school right I just didn't have as much pressure senior year of college no I'm going to graduate doing okay finishing my work and then just basically drinking almost every night mm-hmm. um, not till blackout but drinking every night and then I graduated and the year after college is when I just I got an apartment to myself I mean I was already well on my way to drinking excessively. Um, and so that's when it was like, there was no one watching. I didn't have any real responsibility. I was supposed to start grad school in the next, the next August. Um, so I had this whole year where I just didn't do, I mean, I worked, but not well, you know, and, um, I like, I stayed in Michigan and then I moved back to Minnesota. And so I kind of, they call it geographical where you move to kind of get away from well, I drank, it's, it's all, it was all in Ann Arbor, right? It was all in college, but I drank so much. And if I go to Minnesota and become a grad student, my identity will change, you know, I'll have purpose and goal and I won't drink as much. And that doesn't really usually work if you're right, alcoholic. So you had so, awareness that you were drinking too much. 
Was there an awareness? Sometimes, yeah, yeah. I mean, you kind of can't think about it. Um, it doesn't really let you. You you just keep going. You keep plowing ahead. But there were a couple nights where I was, I knew. I mean, a couple times where I would look like in the mirror, like mm, I don't think this is normal, right? <laughs> um, so I did. I think there was an awareness, but you just you kind of push it down, and you definitely at that age. I mean, I was twenty two, so I definitely. Ex- I mean, especially in high school and college, I wasn't even that bad in high school in my mind. And and in college, there was worse. So I really told myself, this is just rites of passage and I'm young. And so that year after college was kind of hard to ignore. This is no, I'm, you know, I'm still young, but I'm not drinking normally, right? I'm drinking alone. Mm -hmm. I'm in an apartment by myself. I'm not, I'm showing up to work you know, inebriated. It's not, it's not stuff you can ignore anymore. Although people, people do, they ignore it for a very long time or excuse it for a very long time. I kind of couldn't. Um, and then I got a DUI like June of 2004, um, and excused it. We were out drinking for my friend's birthday and it was every, you know, it was just an excuses, excuses. Um, And I kind of fought it. I had a lawyer, you know, I kind of got off light on it. And I ended up with my car back after like five weeks with a work permit. And then I almost immediately got a second DUI in like five weeks. So that's when I could no longer ignore that this was not normal Mm -hmm. drinking. Um, So I... So I went home and um, my parents asked, you know, are you okay? And I think for the first time I was honest, for the first time in a very long time, I said, no, I'm not okay. You know, we need to, we need, I need help. Um, So I checked into treatment probably like a week later. I think I felt like I needed to finish out my shifts at Caribou Coffee and, you know, say goodbye. (laughs) I don't know what, I mean, I probably just drank for a week. Let's be honest. Uh I checked in August of, um, you know, 2nd of 04, which I consider my sobriety date. I checked in and was, I went through a 28 day stay and I knew about a week and a half into it. I needed more. Like I wanted to go to a halfway house. So I went not to a halfway, but, um, called like a three quarter quarter Mm -hmm. house. It's a, um, sure. So, uh, sober living. So I stayed in sober living and I lived for six months or something in sober living. And then, um, I just went to AA all the time. I deferred grad school for a year, um, and just worked in a, you know, sober community job at a coffee shop or something, just a place everybody went and went to AA meetings and worked the steps, got a sponsor and right works if you work it (laughs) and then didn't really stop doing any of that I just got you know I got a degree and I went on to get a career and um but I still I still go to meetings and have a sponsor so I have so many questions um so I'm gonna hold on I'm gonna hold off on them because I want Hannah to say a little bit about you know why she's chosen to live sober life I my my one question I will ask you Barb before we go on to Hannah though is so you got sober in 2004 and you've never relapsed no, I mean, no, it's not, it's, thank you. It's it's not, but you, I laughed because the beginning when you said you know chose sobriety, like I think sobriety chose, chose me. Yeah, you no, know, mm-hmm. better for everybody. But it really, I mean, I don't take, I don't give a lot of credit to. I give credit to where credit is due, which is you know twelve step group, higher power. Because I've seen a lot, and I sure. shouldn't. Most most people, me and my best friend are both still sober, and that is not statistically oh I know right normal so I know I know I used to go to meetings all the time when I back in like the late 80s because I used to work in rehabs and like hospitals on addiction units and you know the so I've been to many many AA meetings over the course of my life and I remember them saying that most people in this room are going to relapse and the only person that isn't going to relapse is the person sitting there going uh I'm the one who's not going to relapse like the person who declares it yeah they gave us the odds and I was like you guys not me exactly exactly but Hannah can you tell us a little bit about you know as someone who does not have an addiction history you know why you decided to live a sober life 
Yeah. I mean, like you said, like you feel like yours isn't interesting. I feel like mine isn't interesting. I just like have just never had an interest in it. Genuinely just never had an interest in partying. Like I, I like to go to bed early. <laughs> like I don't want to be out late. Um, I just, you know, but when people ask me why I don't drink, like people my age, that's not a good enough explanation for them. Um, so the other things that contribute to that are, I'm a very small person. I don't weigh a lot. So I don't have a tolerance for alcohol or drugs. And I just know that my body size, I could not handle a lot. Um, so that's that I'm on anti-anxiety and antidepressants. So those are never a good mix. Um, and then also in, I guess in like elementary school, I developed emetophobia, which is the fear of vomit. Um, and it's more of most people who have emetophobia, it's like a fear of themselves throwing up, but mine is more a fear of other people throwing up. So I just associate alcohol with vomit and <clears throat> I just can't, I can't be near it. I can't, I just think I'm like, okay, if you have one sip of alcohol in you, you're going to throw up and I'm going to freak out. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so those are like my reasons. And there, I don't have a lot of like family history with alcoholism. Um, my parents don't really drink a lot. So I never really grew up around them, like my parents drinking or anything. Um, but really it all just comes down to, I just don't have an interest in it. Like, just like, I don't have an interest in science. Like, why would I want to go do science? I don't like it. <laughs> like same with alcohol and drugs. I'm like, it's not interesting to me. I don't want to do it. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I'm really super curious from both of your perspectives because you're coming from two different kind of places. What is it like for you over the years, for you, Barb, being a sober person, being in sobriety, living in this world that is mostly drinking? I mean, it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. So I'm curious from your perspective, what that's like to be the sober person in the group. And I'm also, of course, interested in your perspective, Hannah, and I'll certainly share my own. Barb, why don't you start? You know, I was thinking when Hannah was talking that I bet you it almost is harder for you. That's what I was thinking. Because I remember, I mean, I remember times where people that I was just getting to know or socialize with in my 20s would find out I was sober and they'd be very interested in buying me a drink. It was like, and it wasn't often though. It was just the rare person who just really wanted to have a drink with Barb because no one really ever had a drink with me, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I can say, I mean, I wasn't always very, it's my private life, so I don't have to tell you this, but I'm sober, right? So as soon as I say, I don't, you know, not just don't drink, but I'm in recovery from alcoholism, usually it gets dropped unless they're really strange, right? Um, but if yours is, I don't drink because I don't like drinking, you, I can imagine you get a little more push, right? Mine is, yeah, yeah like, especially people... in college. People, it's like, it's, they have like this, like fascination about me. They're like, I want to get you to drink. I want to mm -hmm. smoke weed. They're like, I'll buy it for you. Like you don't even have to pay for it. Like yes. I, I want to see drunk Hannah. I want to see hi Hannah. And it's like, right. No, like you're, you, you it's not going to happen. No, I don't, don't want to do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mine was a little easier. Cause it was, you really don't, you really don't want to see drunk Barb. Um, you should hide your wallets and your men. Like don't, <laughs> don't get drunk Barb out here. Right. She's not that fun. Um, so those were, but those were few and far between for me. And I didn't really hang out with those people very often if they were that obsessed with, uh, me drinking, you know? So I think at first it was a little bit more difficult to kind of imagine my life sober. My life had been not sober for so long. And most of my relationships, you know, most of my socializing had revolved around alcohol. I had a lot, I was lucky. I had a lot of friendships that weren't just about drinking. Um, so most, most of those people are actually still in my life because um, our just relationship wasn't alcohol-based. Um, even college friends, you know, we partied, but it was, there. you know, there's still, plenty of friends that we love each other, right? And it wasn't just about drinking. So most of my friends didn't care. My 
friends that knew what was going on certainly had were thrilled that I was sober and were never going to, you know, push. Um, and so what I started to realize is I would, I would go out socially still and I would have more fun, right? I remembered everything. I could drive home whenever I wanted. I wasn't, I wasn't doing horribly inappropriate things anymore. Um, I didn't have to, I, I didn't have shame the next day about what did I do last night? I mean, I much prefer, I mean, I it wasn't very long before I realized this is much preferable to drinking when you drink like I did. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I was thinking the same thing though, Barb, about, you know, like as a recovering person, you know, if you say to, a, you know, if someone says, Hey, can I get you a drink? And you say, Oh no, I don't drink. I'm in recovery. That kind of shuts people down. Like, Oh, okay. You know, they don't want to touch that. But, you know, for me and Hannah, um, who don't have a history of alcoholism, and then we just show up to a social situation and we say we don't drink, people cannot wrap their brains around that at all. I mean, they, they don't understand. Well, like, not at all. That, that's what they say, like nothing. And right. it depends on the person um, in terms of what the reaction is. Some people have a huge reaction to it. Um, like, like it really um, startles me. Um, I remember one time, yeah, and I'll, for confidentiality purposes, I'll be as vague as possible. I remember one time being on vacation with somebody and they did not know I didn't drink. And, uh, you know, they offered me a drink as soon as I arrived and I said, oh, that's okay. I don't drink. And they looked terrified. Like, oh my God, I'm going to be on vacation with this person for an entire week. Clearly they were big drinkers. And so the self-consciousness that came over them that, that I was going to be judging them and what, I mean, this is in their heads, of course, you know, that I'm going to be judging them and watching them and, you know, and maybe they're not going to be able to drink as much as they wanted to, because they're going to feel so self-conscious that I'm watching them drink. I mean, like, I'm just making this up. I don't know what was actually going on in their heads, but that was clearly the look on their face was, was terror. And now why would my sobriety create terror for you? It, it didn't make any sense. Um, but everybody has a very different reaction to it. Um, and I'm curious, you know, if you want to say any more about that, Hannah, about what that's like for you. What is, you know, how do you feel when people have this reaction to you of, you know, I want to see Hannah drunk and, you know, let me buy you a drink after you've already set your boundary that you don't want to. Yeah. Boundaries. People don't have those when it comes to this, like, because I don't have like a good enough reason to not want to drink or smoke or do any kinds of drugs. Like people will just keep trying and trying and trying. And I think people think that I'm someone that's like easy to like get past, but like I built up such a, a wall. I'm like, no, like you're not, I don't give in. I do not give in to this. I will not do it. Whatever you do, I will not do it. You cannot get me to do this. Like no matter how much you want to. And it's, it's, it's so weird. Like yeah. somewhere people are like, come on, like, just, they're like, just have a sip. And like, they like, they like hand me the cup and they're like watching me. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want it. Like, I don't even want a sip of it. <laughs> I'm just so not interested. Um, How do you feel when you're setting this boundary and they're not honoring it? Annoyed. I'm like, I'm like, why? Like, just, can you just accept? It's like, it's like consent. Like, don't, I don't want to do this thing. And I'm telling you that I don't want to do it. Why can't you just respect that? But people think that <clears throat> in my age group, like the only way to have fun is when you're intoxicated. And that's what people say all the time. They're like, yeah, like I have fun when I'm sober, but like I have the most fun when I'm in, like when I'm intoxicated, I'm like, well, that's not the same for me. I'm not, I don't have, I don't know what it's like, but I don't, I can have a great amount of fun just being sober. And I don't know why that is such an issue to you. And it's clear, but it's because of their own insecurity and they, maybe they don't have anything in life that makes them happy or have fun that they feel that they need to be intoxicated and not be them, their true selves to have fun. And it's, I'm like, all right, whatever, that's you. I don't judge. All right. Did you want to respond to any of that, Barb? Do you have any thoughts? Um, 
No, I mean, I was wondering if you, if you, if it's hard, if you have hard time with friends or meeting, like if you meet people and they're, they find out you don't drink and they don't want to hang out, but that's almost the opposite. If I am trying to, well, no, I mean, if I found out people didn't drink in college, if I liked them as people, I didn't care, but I could see that I wouldn't know what to do. Do we, do we go to lunch? Like, what do we Yeah, no, we're all partying? That is like a, a thing. It's like <clears throat> the people that I'm friends with, it's like, oh, like we'll just hang out during the day. And like, sometimes like I'd hang out with people during the day and then at night they'd go to a party and they're like, do you want to come? And I'm like, no. And they're like, all right, well, I'm going to go to the party. I'm like, okay. So it's like, it's, I've never, some no one has ever been like, I'm not going to be your friend because you don't drink, but it's like, they won't invite me to things. They won't um, like hang, hang out with me at night. Like, you know, if they're having like a gathering, they're like, oh, like we're going to have alcohol. Like is like, you know, are you going to drink? And I'm like, no, it's never. And also like with like relationships, I was always like, especially at a young age, like finding someone who like didn't make drinking and partying their whole personality because like people my age especially girls it's like drinking and jeweling and smoking weed is like their personality trait people who don't get past high school pretty much um so I was always nervous about like finding a partner who didn't like do all that and Zoe doesn't um so that was really good but yeah I friends I like all of my friends drink all of them um but I just have found the people who just drink every once in a while and not the people who party every single night, like 24 seven. Um, so I found my, my group of people, but I, I don't think I have any friends who are, who live like me and just don't do anything. I don't either. I mean, I, I mean, I'm 53 years old. I, I don't, I, I mean, my husband very, very, very rarely has a beer. I mean, he has like a beer maybe twice a month, one beer. Um, but all of my other friends drink um, and they drink to lesser or smaller amounts. So yeah, they all drink different, different amounts. And for the most part, it doesn't bother me. It truly doesn't bother me, except for there are some people who behave very differently when they're drinking. And like, there are some people who drink, some of my friends drink and they just become more of themselves, more fun, more, as you were saying, uninhibited. Um, but the personality that I like during the day just gets bigger. And then there are people th that I'm friends with that drink who, do, who become the opposite of, of what attracted me to them in the first place, you know, like they become very quiet, they become very withdrawn, very disconnected. Um, and I don't want to be around them. Um, but I also noticed that everybody has a different reaction to my sobriety. You know, everybody, um, some, some of my friends have completely accepted it. Other people still to this day will say, you know, why don't you have a drink? You know, you look uptight, why don't you have a drink? Um, and then I, I definitely do not get invited to parties, to certain parties where there's going to, where they are going to be drinking a lot because it is not fun to drink a lot when you have a sober person there or, you know, or if you feel in any way you're being watched, which is what my experience is that people who are drinking feel that they're being watched by the sober person. Has that been your experience or no? Yeah. Um, like I'll always be like, I, I go to, like, I've been to parties and stuff like that. And I've been the only sober one. And like, it's fun, like a few times to watch everyone. But then in the back of my mind, I'm like, is someone going to throw up? If someone throws up, what am I going to do? Where's the door? Where can I leave? Like all that kind of stuff. So I'm already like, I'm anxious. It's not like a fun environment for me. Um, but I'm going to be honest, like after a while, like seeing just a bunch of drunk intoxicated people, it's annoying. It gets annoying. I'm like, I don't, this isn't fun for me. Like, unless it's like people that like, I'm really close with, like, it's sometimes like funny to see them, you know, because they don't get annoying because I, there's some people like that, like, they just get annoying when they're, when they're drunk. I'm like, I don't want to be around you. Like you're pissing me off. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I like, same as you don't really get invited places or 
they were like, well, everyone else is going to be drinking and you're not. So just so you know, like maybe you might want to drink. And I'm like, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like when you don't get invited places, Hannah, like, do you feel upset by that or do you feel relieved or something? Both. Else? Both. Um, Cause I'm like, oh, these people know that I don't drink. Um, but then I'm like, oh, these people know that I don't drink. So they're not going to invite me. Like they don't, they still don't want to be like with me, even if I'm choosing to not drink like it and during high school like it was hard for me because people were like transitioning into their partying like stages like I've had friends who like really didn't drink but then now like all they do is drink and um like they've just like changed and it's hard to see that um so yeah it's it's weird it's weird far I'm just thinking you're going to love, you're going to like your twenties. You're going to love your thirties <laughs> because it's not, I, I can't, I don't know what a party is anymore. I mean, I don't remember the last time there was a party of adults that was a rager. I mean, we get together kind of like you are now where you get together and you do something. And if someone orders a drink, that's not the focus of what we're doing that night right we're at dinner or we're at a concert I mean I'm more but you know at a concert or a play it's not certainly not revolved around alcohol in my life um nobody and I have a lot of friends most of my friends drink but not college drink um and 20s is when people started to calm down so I'm not around I stopped staying at things past 11. Now I stopped staying at things past nine. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> you get older and older. Like I'd stay out till 11 and then I'd know nothing good happens after 11, right? Get Go home. Um, and so my friends might've continued to do whatever they were doing, but I always knew the time to exit, right? It was just when people were starting to get a little ramped up. Um, and now I just, I don't know if they're doing that without me. I don't have time to care, but I know... I have a very full social life that does not revolve around alcohol. And these are all people who drink. I just not, they don't party. Yeah, I think that there's a whole continuum of, of this. I mean, I, it's interesting to hear sort of your experience and where you land on this continuum in terms of your sobriety. And then you're not around a lot of people who drink a lot. Um, or not with me. Right. I don't stick, I might not stick around for the, if they're drinking heavily during the day, again, we don't have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. If they're drinking after I leave dinner or again, parties, maybe I'm not being invited to them. I don't know a lot of like parties mm-hmm. where people my age, and maybe it's my age too, right? We all have, we have young kids. Like I just don't know these parties where people are getting together yeah. to drink I mean, I have so many clients who, I mean, I'm, I'm 53, but I have clients in their forties with young kids yeah, who are getting together with their girlfriends, mm-hmm. drinking wine all night on a Friday well, I night. I would do that. I would just leave at a point. Mm-hmm. I have friends who have birthday parties. Sure. Right. I just don't stay to the point where mm-hmm. I leave. Right. But do you ever feel aggravated about that? That why do you, you know, like, why do you need to leave? Why, wouldn't you like to stay and enjoy the party longer? No. Without their no. drinking. My point uh, is. I know, no, I know what you're saying. I'm not leaving because of their drinking. I'm okay. leaving because it's 10 o'clock and I'm going to bed. Okay. <laughs> I want my pajamas. I got to get up at six. My daughter was up at 530 this morning. Uh, no, I, they can. Yeah, no, I wouldn't stay later if they weren't drunk. Like okay. I just it's lining up perfectly because I'm done and they can just do whatever they want now. You know, what did you say, Hannah? I said that I feel the same. Like I maybe like I would stay a little bit longer, but like, really, I just want to go to bed. I don't really like, I'm not, I'm an introvert. I want to just be home and Mm -hmm. and do my own thing. Do you guys have any reaction or feelings about what's going on in the general society though of why everything seems to be revolving around alcohol whether it was during the pandemic I mean there was so much many memes to your point you were talking about the memes earlier Barb like everything was about drinking because no one had to drive and if you don't have to drive you can just be home but you know we have you know people have their kids sitting there and they're drinking all day 
or you know, they're celebrating something and they need to drink or they're going through a hard time and they need to drink. And, you know, what scares me just as a mom, I mean, I have two kids, uh, 22 and 19, and I am terrified of them driving at night on a Saturday night, because my experience is Mm -hmm. that most people are drunk. Most people on the road after 11 o'clock are drunk. And you, sober person, my child, are going out there and you're going to be in the lanes with all these drunk drivers. I mean, for me, it's just ter- that from a safety perspective, it terrifies me. Um, if I had a phobia, that would be it, I would say. I mean, I really do. My kids would say that it's out of control because I really do have a big reaction anytime I hear that they're in a car. I was so happy both of my kids went to Temple University, mostly because you don't have to drive. You don't have to drive anywhere. You can walk everywhere or take the subway. Fabulous. Do whatever you want. <laughs> like, just don't get in the car. Um, but I just, I'm wondering if you guys have a reaction or thoughts or feelings about why everyone is turning to alcohol, why this is so appealing to everybody. Either of you can respond or both. I'd really like both of your perspectives. Yeah. I'm trying to think. It's just, I think it's a big part of like American culture. I don't know why. I mean, there's a lot of cultures that, um, I mean, not that America really has much culture, um, but like a lot of other countries, like it, it's very revolved around drinking. Um, like everything they do is like with a drink. So I think it's just like it just the societal like standard that alcohol is a big part of it and people just latch onto that and go with it and people drink and they like it and they have fun so like oh yeah like I'll just keep doing this I think it's just we've normalized it so much in society and people are you know people who are mainstream they just follow that and they drink I don't know I think it's it could be as simple as that Mm-hmm. Barb? You know, they're two separate things. Drinking at home, um, I have less of an opinion on. I just, I can't have opinions because there's too much, there's too many options in there, right? Like, are you an alcoholic and you're drinking at home and your children are unsafe? Or are you someone who's unwinding at the end of the day? And I don't know because I'm not. I don't diagnose that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, those are, those are separate. Do, do you uh, driving around under the influence drives me? I mean, it, I would say it drives me crazy. I did it. So I, you know, again, the judgment is hard because when, if, if you're in it, um, I think there's a lot of reasons why someone's doing that and none of them are okay. And I would love them to all be arrested. I mean, I don't want them out driving under the influence of anything, you know, um, it, it drives me crazy to think about that. I luckily don't, I'm never on the road past like nine 30 at night. And I still see, you know, you still see it. You see it during the day, you know, someone's weaving, right. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter's not gonna be driving anytime soon. I'm sure it will bother me more, um, down the road. There's just tons of bad drivers in general in St. Mm-hmm. Louis. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's hard. Cause I think there's just so many variations of it. I think that um, society, I think it annoyed me a little with the year of this idea of here, mom, check out. Clearly you're having a hard time drink, um, was the, was the message that a lot of moms got like, and I don't care that they even were given permission because I think that's not new. I think if you had a hard day and you opened a glass of wine, you see it on like every TV show ever. Um, I just, it was excessive, especially this past year and a half. So I did notice that, um, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm coming from a perspective of just being sober, clear eyed and watching the world, watching society, watching what goes on in the lives of my clients. And in my experience, and yes, and I'm not in any way downplaying the opioid epidemic, which is extreme and terrifying and is just crazy. I My experience is that people die from alcohol-related issues far more than opioids. Alcohol is so pervasive in our society and so incredibly accepted as just a part of our everyday life. And 
you know, it takes really a person with super strong boundaries like Hannah, like myself to constantly push back. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. And I think that most people are not that way. Most people go along to get along. Most people really just want to be in the in crowd, whatever that means. And, and I don't think anyone ever sets out to be an alcoholic. I don't think you know, it just kind of happens. You're drinking and then, you know, I think of it as Russian roulette, you know, like you could uh, be drinking for 10 years and then the, the alcohol addiction gene just gets fired up and now you're addicted and you didn't realize how did this happen? Um, but that only happens if you continuously ingest alcohol. And, you know, one of the things that I, I really wanted to talk about actually, because this kind of blows my mind. And I, I wanted both of your perspectives about this. What especially blows my mind are people who have a very um, strong family history of alcoholism. Did, did your family, did you say that your family does or doesn't, Barb? No. Okay. But, but imagine if you had a mother and a father who were alcoholic and you were experiencing that throughout your whole life what we know that there is a hereditary aspect to alcoholism. So why, if your mother or father or brother or sister or grandparents were alcoholic, why do you take that chance? Why do people who have histories of alcoholism choose to play Russian roulette with their own bodies as it relates to alcohol? Because I, I really am curious about that. I think because they want to fit in with society and they just want to have fun. They're like, eh, it'll never happen to me. I think that maybe is, I mean, I don't know, but um, like maybe a lot of people who do get addicted to drugs or alcohol, they're like, oh, it'll never be me, even though they know that there's a history in their family. Um, like that happened to my cousin. Um, I think it could, it's something like that. I mean, there's a million reasons to, you know, um, there's, there's people who don't, I've had friends who never take a drink because their parents were alcoholic and they were afraid to turn into their parents. Uh, I've had people who drank because they thought it would be different. They didn't, they wouldn't be like their parents, which is most of us. We do things thinking we're going to be different. Right. Um, but I think there's possibly a misunderstanding too of alcoholism often, most of the time is thought of as if it's genetic and it's in your, if it's in you, if it's in you, it's kind of almost unavoidable. And you, you might've taken a drink young. Your parents might've given you a drink as your, as a drinking buddy or at the table or, you know, and it can ignite the alcoholic mind. And so that doesn't mean that you then suddenly be, drink alcoholically immediately. It just means you feel that feeling that alcoholics feel that normal drinkers don't tend to feel um, and you chase it. And then eventually it becomes more um, of what we typically think of as an alcoholic drinking. But again, it, everything looks so different, right? Cause some people think of alcoholic as person under the bridge, right? Just with a paper bag, but there's so many right. stages of it. The only definition um, that I've ever really been taught was once you start drinking, you don't stop. And that doesn't mean every single time, but that's typically what you see in an alcoholic or you, you may, may haven't drank for a little bit, but you're going to again, your mind will tell you it'll be different this time. So you can see people go years not drinking and then pick up a drink, right? So I think there's so much... Um, it, I think to say alcoholic, right? How do you, you don't even know, um, you can go years without knowing that you're an alcoholic. So why would you, you don't know. Um, right. And then, and then usually when you've crossed the point of no return, you don't realize it until yeah. much later. And right. nobody can say that was the moment I crossed the line of no return. And I wish I'd known. I mean, people say it, but it's, right. you don't know. Um, and that might've been when you're young, maybe your parents drank with you. Yeah. So I think there's a million, I, I have a hard time with generalization because there's too many stories and too many people doing it 
totally differently, right? You know, there, there is alcohol use, alcohol right. abuse, yeah. alcohol addiction, and alcohol dependency. And a lot of people think that alcohol dependency, the people that have the alcohol by their nightstand that have to have a drink before they can get up in the morning. A lot of people make excuses for their drinking. This is my experience because they are not alcohol dependent. Right. And that's what they consider an alcoholic. And that is just not true. Right. Um, when you're, when I was in rehab and we were doing assessments of, you know, whether somebody needed to be inpatient or, you know, where they fall in that use, abuse, addiction, dependency um, level, what would bring you from abuse to addiction, you, alcohol abuse to alcohol addiction was just the simple question. Has anyone ever talked with you about your drinking before? Has anyone been affected in your life to the point that they've asked you about it? Have you ever had any legal consequences as a direct result of your drinking? Those kinds of things brought you from abuse to addiction. Um, and everyone I think has a different bottom. You know, Some people need to get to that dependency stage. Some people need to get to the addiction stage. Some people get to a point in their abusing alcohol where they say, I don't wanna do this anymore. And I do think that it's very um, personal for each individual person. And yeah, my last question that I wanted to um, ask, especially to you, Barb, is what it, and I know it doesn't sound like you're much into the advice giving, but if you were going to give advice to somebody who would like to stop drinking, because one of the things that I notice a lot is that the biggest hurdle for people to stop drinking is that they're going to lose their entire social network. Uh, and they're going to be alone. That is like, you know, like if, if you come from a family of drinkers, if you come from a group of friends that you've been friends with for 30 years and, and you always spent every weekend getting drunk with each other and you suddenly get sober, you have lost your whole social network. What advice do you give to those people? What would you say to them? I should say. I mean, it's hard. It's like, how is, is there a reason that you, you know, feel because sometimes it's like, is this, we're talking about your life and your health mm -hmm. um, and, you know, what are the priorities? But I always have a hard time believing that every single person in your life would disappear. Is there, are there people at those parties that are not that are leaving a little early and maybe you didn't notice, you know, I would start kind of sussing out. I do a lot of just one-on-one -on -one dinners. I don't do a lot of huge group things um, in purposely to figure out, do we have, you know, a connection? Do we have a lot in common? And, um, and I did kind of figure out who of my friends, I, I think the more one-on-one -on -one is just so important, right? Because when we're together and we're alone, we have a good time. Um, so yeah, I just think the big thing would be, is it really every single person, every single person in your family, every single person in your, you might be making a much smaller life support network, right? By doing mm -hmm. it, but you might be finding just the people who you really connect with and need. Um, Cause I just feel like there's gotta be a few here and there. Um, and if there's really truly nobody, I don't know what the, I mean, I think the advice is if you, if you, this is a hard one too. If you're, if you think you're, you know, have a problem where you need to go to a 12 step group, you're going to meet a lot of new people, exactly. right? Yes. You're going to have a whole new social yeah. network open up for you. And they do, they have more fun than most people I know because yeah. they are now forced to go find fun with no alcohol in sight, right? Yeah. I, I think early on I had just a couple of people and it just has grown but if there's just a couple people mm -hmm. at these things or the, in these groups yeah I agree and, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head too that if you're going to go into a 12-step program there's so much opportunity there if you there's choose sober college there's sober college groups you know I know at some of the colleges they have depends on ages, but there's groups for people who are sober and aren't in a 12 step group that just don't want to drink and they want to go have fun sober. Yeah. Yeah. Hannah, any advice that you would give to other college students who are in your situation, who would love to, uh, 
make the decision to be sober and you know how to handle the peer pressure? You just really have to find the people who will listen to you and understand and respect your decision not to party, do drugs, alcohol, but the people that will still, they'll hang out with you at the party if you go to a party or they'll hang out with you during the day before they go to a party. Because there are, it's, I would say, like you're not really going to find anyone who doesn't drink, at least in my experience, the people that like I tend to be friends with, people that I attract and am attracted to, like they're people who party and stuff. Um, but you just have to find the the kind, understanding, genuine people who will respect that and respect that boundary that you have. And it is possible, but you do have to dig a little deeper to find those people. Yes. And I think it's well worth it. You know, I think it's well worth going and finding your people and it's quality over quantity always. And the, you know, in my experience, the quantity, the, the larger group of, of people are drinking. Um, and there are small pockets of people that aren't, but even the people that are, there are people that you can, that are going to be your people drinking or not. And you have to just kind of keep searching for them. Anyway, I want to thank you guys so much for being on this pod today. I really appreciate your honesty and, and sharing your experience. Um, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And I want to thank all of the listeners for all of your support throughout um, the last 18 episodes of this pod. And I hope to be back sometime soon. In the meantime, you'll be able to catch, you know, all the updates on Instagram, follow me at Robin's underscore nest underscore pod. And as soon as we're back, you'll be the first to know. So thank you so much, everyone. Take care. Mm -hmm.